of the things I love about this show in the five years, we've gained a mythology. We did, we have? Yeah. You gained a mythology? I'm a myth? We're both myths. Stuff like uh, the fact that well, you want to see why you would be a myth. <laughs> the fact that like there are people who refer to who the beautiful one now. Yeah, who yeah. talk about how you can love your characters, but you can't and love your characters. We all feel better in the dark. We all feel better in the dark. We all feel better in the dark. I'm gonna drop this one time for your mind right now Tommy D on the mic, best listen up now Better in the dark is taking place right now But this ain't a normal show, this is point five now Yeah, I said it, show's a little shorter But they give you content in a timely order So, take notes of everything they mentioning Better in the dark, point five, get the listening Hyphen, what it is right now Tom is, what it is right now Derek, what it is right now Better in the dark, what it is right now <laughs> And until we get back in touch with you Go watch that movie Right, Devin? Go watch that movie <laughs> Back in the 90s When I was a devotee of Melrose Place I actually was very proud, Derek To call myself a placemat While you were off gallivanting With bikinied young ladies On your sea cruise Yowza the internet exploded with the news that Rob Thomas, Kristen Bell, and other personages connected to Veronica Mars had started a Kickstarter campaign to finance a Veronica Mars movie. Mm-hmm. And it was at that time that I actually found a nickname for a devotee of a show that I was very devoted to, even more embarrassing than placemats. Okay. Apparently, I'm a Marsmallow. Why placemats? Where did that come from? Melrose Place. Place oh, mats. okay. So, yeah. So, Mars Mellow. Okay. Hello, everybody. <laughs> you knew this was going to come. The day it happened, eight different people posted that link. Oh, yeah. To my Facebook page. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, everybody was, oh, look, Tom DJ's got to know about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, Tom's got to know about this. What do you think about this, Tom? What do you think about this, Tom? That is a roundabout way of us letting you know that this episode, because of course when we got back and people were saying, oh yeah, well I know you and Tom are going to do an episode about this. Of course we're going to do an episode about this. How could we not? Because this directly affects the woman who we have adopted as the patron saint of Better in the Dark, the, the beautiful tri- one herself, yeah. Kristen Bell. Right, one of the triumvirate of goddesses that are worshipped at the Hottie Hall of Fame. But yeah, Kristen Bell is the head of the pyramid that forms the <laughs> triumvirate, which also includes Pam Greer and Aisha Taylor. So that was Kristen, Pam Greer, and the crazy babysitter twins. No. Okay. It's Aisha Taylor. It's Aisha Geek Tyler. goddess. Not that I'm complaining. Geek goddess trumps Can we crazy babysitter twins. coming back to television on a regular basis? She has been on TV on a regular basis. You just don't watch it. What am I not watching? She's on a daytime talk show. Oh, oh for prime time. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, we're not counting Archer because it's just her voice, which is sexy Who? enough as it is. She's one of the creators and she's one of the main voices on Archer. I don't know anything about okay, that. I don't watch a, Archer. It's an animated series, like a, a spoof of the USA spy show. Oh, okay. And she's the female lead in that. Well, I know she's on the talk, which right. is the only reason why I watched that show. So. Because CBS looked over at ABC in the view and said, we could do that. Pretty much, that's all the talk is. It's the same format. It's five yeah. women running off at the mouth about whatever it is. However, 
they have something that ABC doesn't have, which is right. name Aisha right. Tyler. <laughs> so did they actually try to cast as close as possible to the original View cast? Not really. You know what's coming up? I want to know who's the absolutely stupid woman. Who's the Debbie Snuffleupagus? I have no idea why everybody hates this girl so much. No, I, I love Debbie Snuffleupagus. I liked her because who, she was so... Who, who's, who are you talking about? Hasselbeck? No, not Hasselbeck. Okay. I think a lot of people hate Hasselbeck because she is very, very right-wing and not afraid to show it. Okay, so who was Debbie so Snuffleupagus? Debbie Snuffleupagus was the Greek blonde girl who came before Hasselbeck. First it was Debbie Snuffleupagus. She was one of the first... I can't remember what her last name is. That's why we all call her Snuffleupagus. Okay. She was the first one in the view. She was the young girl on the view. No, no, the first one was the Asian girl. No, the, the Asian, Asian girl replaced Debbie Snuffleupagus. Lisa Ling. Okay. See, you know more about this than you let on. <laughs> I'm just Lisa about, Ling I'm fine. See, you sitting up being trying to make like, oh, yeah, oh, Dirk, watch this. <laughs> but yeah, you know who was on there. Yeah, okay, buddy. Debbie Snuffleupagus was replaced by Lisa Ling. I got your number. And when Lisa Ling left, Elizabeth Hasselbeck, okay. who was Tim Hasselbeck's wife, okay. took over for Lisa Ling. And everybody hated her because she was very, very, very right wing. That's why there's a lot of hate for the deer. Okay. But yeah, because you got to have the sassy black woman, who I think you, I'm assuming is Aisha Tyler. Well, actually, no, there's another sassy black woman in this one. Okay. Aisha Tyler is the intelligent black woman. Well, or maybe she's Joyce Behar. She's the funny woman. Okay, I'll go with okay. that. I'll go with that. There was the mature woman, mm-hmm. who was Barbara Walters in The View originally. Right. Well, Barbara Walters, if you look at it from a family yeah. point of view, she was the matriarch. Right. She's exactly. the grandmother. Meredith Vieira, who was originally there, she was like the MILF. <laughs> Joy Behar was the aunt that let you stay up and watch porn right. and eat ice cream. Mm. I never had an aunt who let me stay up late and eat ice cream and watch porn. Well, see, th- that explains a lot, because I had a couple that let me do that. Star Jones was the mom who wanted you to go to college and was always on your ass about cleaning yeah. your room. That's why that worked. And then you had Debbie Snuffleupagus, who okay. was the kid sister. Right, always, yeah, exactly. Who always was getting into trouble. Right, there you go. How, we How got come I can never remember her real... I don't even remember who okay. you're t- talking about. But Actually, she was very attractive, and she has had this incredibly long Greek name, which is why everyone that I know referred to her as Debbie Snuffleupagus. Okay. It, it sounded vaguely like that. Okay. But the thing was, is that she was as dumb as a box of rocks. And actually, a lot of people rag on the view. They said, oh, it's just a bunch of boys running their mouth. When they have guests on there, I'm really right. not interested in their guests. I'm really more interested in them when they just talk about whatever issues is going on in the day because they all do have such wildly diverse backgrounds. And I'm glad they're getting ready to enjoy Behar because I can't stand I don't think she's funny. Me personally, I believe she's a closet yeah. racist. Now, they've gone through a couple of cast changes on the Yes, they have. Star Jones left in right. that very highly publicized thing behind the wedding. Lisa Lang, of course, left for greener pastures, yeah. really greener pastures. Yeah, they've been through a couple. And Debbie was let go because... Because, of course, apparently yeah, she was so yeah. stupid. She kept putting her fingers in the light socket. Yeah, apparently. Like, no, Debbie, you can't do that. Apparently, they really didn't want her she was not. Stupid. I'm, I'm trying to I'm think. Saying. I really don't remember. But in any case, so Kristen Bell is right. getting well, back. How to, we got into getting the, back? No, we got into that because we started having another thing about Aisha Tyler. Getting back to what the hell right. we're supposed to be talking about. Kristen Bell is at the apex of the pyramid, and she is, as I've said, the patron saint. She of is better in the dark. Now, better I known as the beautiful. One. Let us start off this discussion with me querying Tom about a few things. Okay, Tom, when did Kristen Bell first? 
come to your attention? It was actually the first episode of Veronica Mars. Okay, what made you watch Veronica? Did it sound like an interesting it show? It sounded like an interesting <laughs> show. Besides the fact that she's incredibly hot. Besides the fact that she was incredibly hot. If you go back to Damn Your Ears, Damn Your Eyes, the article I wrote, the 10 statements where I wrote about the pilot episode mm-hmm. of Veronica Mars, I can pinpoint the exact moment where I quote-unquote fell for her. Okay. Now, that's what brought you in... But after a while, you began to appreciate Veronica Mars for other reasons. Could you go into a little bit of detail about that? It was an absolute, honest-to-God film noir. It was set in a high school. Mm -hmm. It was modern day. But the sensibilities that Rob Thomas, who was the creator of the show, brought to it was 100% 1940s film noir. You had Veronica herself, who was an outcast, and her father, played by one of my favorite television actors, Enrico Calantoni, who, I want to say, in the Kickstarter video, that chemistry has not left. Okay. That was the scary thing. I'm sitting there going, oh my lord, look at this. You want some actors? Once it clicks, they never lose it. It's why they can come back years and years later, and it's still there. I remember an episode, to digress just a little bit, of Hot in Cleveland, where Mary Tyler Moore gets starred and she was with Betty White and you can see bam right. immediately they still had it which is why they're going to bring her back for and another she episode. Was an outcast, a loner, just like the classic Raymond Chandler character, down these mean streets, a lone night must walk. Not only that, it was this magnificent mix. Thomas mixed in magic realism and surrealism and a lot of just really great different tastes that just taste great together. A big old Reese's peanut butter cup of televisual wonder. Each season, and this is one of the things I found was pretty clever, it had its ongoing mystery. So mm-hmm. you could look at each of the 20 some odd episodes has chapters in a book, but Thomas knew that that was not going to keep people. So each episode also had a standalone mystery to solve, but sometimes the elements in the standalone mystery would feed into the greater mystery. Okay. Like in the first season, Veronica is trying to solve the murder of her best friend, who mm-hmm. was played by Amanda Seyfried before anybody knew who no, before she was. was. Right. So we had two of the hottest women on television. Who nobody knew who they nobody were. Nobody knew who they were at the time. And the way that thing developed, it, among other things, gave Harry Hamlin a great role to play. The world was very well defined almost from the start. A second season he had an even a more complex mystery and featured an even more monstrous villain than the one that we saw in the first, first season. season. Even though of course the villain from the first season high up the loose ends with him mm-hmm. and they introduce that was one thing that Thomas was really great with, was that he would very subtly introduce elements that were going to be very big in the next season, the previous season. Now, let me ask you something. Yeah. Do you feel Veronica Mars was just simply too smart for the WB, which at that time was... It was actually UPN. Oh, it started on UPN. We'll see. Veronica this. Mars holds the distinction of being the television show that had been renewed with the lowest ratings in history. Wow. This is the lowest rated show to ever get multiple seasons. I think part of it was UPN uh, had been dying for a while. It had been coasting solely on the fact that it had that big block of black programming. And while all of their shows were getting dismal ratings, that program, because it was reaching African-American households exclusively, people were willing to spend money to reach that market. Right. But even then, it was on its last legs because Veronica Mars was in the last two years of UPN, then they merged with the WB, which is also coughing up blood. Which was dying, yeah. They so, won like support. So the both of them decided, let's 
join right. forces and see what comes out of it. And I forget right. what CW actually stands for something. It actually does stand for something kind of important. At this point, who cares? But the weird thing, of <laughs> course, is that the CW merger, it seemed like it was just to keep WB around because they brought a number of UPN shows over, primarily Girlfriends, yeah. The Game, Everybody Hates Chris, right. and Veronica Mars. Right. All four of these shows were canceled. Which they promptly got rid of. Matter of fact, it's a very interesting thing about Everybody Hates Chris because people think that it was canceled because of the rate. No, it wasn't. It actually was the highest rated program Mm -hmm. out of the four that you cite that was brought over. It was happened that the new CW, they simply didn't want it. Right. Because Fox came to Chris Rock and said, we'll be happy to give you a home. Chris Rock, well, they had enough shows for syndication already, so Chris Rock said, right. no, nah, that's okay. And, of course, the show can still be found in syndication. Right. Girlfriends. Actually, I mean, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode. One of the best sellers from Byron Price during its end of days before Byron Price himself passed on was the Girlfriends tie-in novel. Girlfriends, actually, a lot of people dismissed it as simply, oh, this is just a black version of Sex and the City, uh, yeah. when actually it really wasn't. Now, I'm not going to lie and say that I watch it faithfully every yeah. week, but every once in a while I would catch an episode because my wife watched right. it. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't right. what I thought it would be. I think it moved to either BET or TV One, right. and it lasted for another year or two before that was canceled. And, of course, the game is still on right. since apparently they're never going to yeah. cancel this thing. It's been on four different mm-hmm. networks. Already, so now the weird thing that we should bring up since we're talking about that third season, the CW season, it was a weird season because first off they abandoned the one overarch structure of the first two seasons mm-hmm. to produce three smaller arcs that kind of fed into each other. Do you think they did that because they were afraid that they were stretching the? patience of the viewers and they said well maybe if we give them shorter choppy stories there was something else going on because the entire season was sponsored by a feminine hygiene product keep which, it clean Tom which name escapes me and they <laughs> had these weird segments during the commercial breaks with a bunch of teenage girls talking about some of the stuff that was going on in the show and they even changed the feel of the intro and the outro right. the intro uh, for the first two seasons was a song by the Dandy Warhols called We Used to Be Friends. Okay. Apparently, Rob Thomas always wanted... I always get him confused with the Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20. Yeah, Matchbox 20. 20. Well, it's the same name. Rob <laughs> Thomas. The creator, producer, not the singer from Matchbox 20. Rob Thomas had always wanted to have an already extant song to be the theme song. And then he came across the Dandy Warhol song and said, this is absolutely perfect. And if you've ever heard the song, it actually plays totally into the feel of the show, especially during the first season. But the third season featured an entirely different opening sequence, a weird remixed version of the Dandy Warhol song. And it just seemed like they were trying to put the emphasis more on the romantic elements and not the noir elements. Even though, of course, Rob Thomas and Kristen Bell, who I think at this point had become an executive producer, were more interested, of course, in the film noir elements. Well, yeah. And the relationship, which is the core of the show, which Veronica has with her father, okay. Keith Mars, played by Enrico Colantoni. So at the end of the third season, it was looking pretty grim, but they did allow Rob Thomas to shoot what they call a sizzle reel. You know what a sizzle reel is, right? I do, but for the okay. benefit of those who don't, could you just... A sizzle reel is a short 10 to 15 minute film, which is supposed to present to potential networks or potential film companies, depending upon what you're trying to push, what... 
the product is going to be like. Right. In the case of the Veronica Mars season for Sizzle Rue, which is available as a extra on the third season set, mm-hmm. it expresses a jump in time for about five years. And we find out that she's graduated from college, she went into the FBI, mm. and the sizzle reel is about her first day as an agent. And, and if I could just yeah. interject, for those of you, a perfect example of a sizzle reel, it's probably still up someplace, you can probably find it on YouTube. Remember recently, the guy who did... Joe Carnahan. Joe Carnahan did, uh, did the Daredevil sizzle right. reel? Yeah, if you can find that on YouTube, this is a perfect example of what Tom is talking about. I'm just throwing that out there okay. for you guys. so he did this sizzle reel, and they decided to pass on it because I think that WB just wanted the viewers but didn't want the programming. Right. Now, Thomas had wanted to do a movie for a long time. Kristen Bell had been wanting to do a movie for a long time. Right. But Warner Brothers was resistant. I remember distinctly hearing that right after it had been canceled that Kristen Bell had said in some interviews that she was hoping and she was lobbying that Warner Brothers would do a theatrical Veronica Mars movie, which of course we said that we'd contribute to in a heartbeat if it ever came. And oddly enough, it has come to pass. Now I'll tell you what happened that day while you were off on the ocean. Okay. And then we're going to talk about what this means for Kickstarter and also why I look at this very suspiciously. Okay. Now keep in mind, I love what I'm getting out of this. Yeah, well, who I love, you? I, and although I got to admit that there's a little bit of me with a raised eyebrow going, "Really, you guys are now?" Because everybody's going like, "Why didn't anybody tell me Veronica Mars is so great?" I'm like, Hello. Well, if nothing else, this has brought a renewed interest in yeah. the character and the series, and I'm sure that Warner Brothers is sitting back and they're looking right. at the sales of the collected series sets, and of course, how many times it's being downloaded on Hulu right. and Netflix. It goes up, but I think it was a Wednesday with this little wacky video with her and Jason Doring who played her on again off again boyfriend Logan Eccles and Haas was his last name I can't remember his first name who played Dick Casablancas and Enrico Calantoni apparently the guy who's playing Dick Casablancas has been sitting on our sofa for the last three years Jason Doring is trying to recreate scenes from the show and she's like no more mm-hmm. stop it there's a really funny line with it because Enrico Calantoni has gone on to have a career since right. he was in Flashpoint and now yeah. he's a recurring character on Person of Interest. He's one of those actors, and I know a lot of you people are scratching your head trying to figure out, okay, who, what does this guy look like? Trust me, you've seen this guy because he's done both dramatic and comedy shows, and he's one of these guys that's right. always working, no matter what. When one show gets canceled, next week he's in another one. It goes up. It made its goal within less than 24 hours. Mm, wow. They had to raise $2 million. Mm-hmm. Within less than 24 hours, the damn thing made its money. At the end of 48 hours, it made over $3 million. Now, here's where I think things are a little hinky. What mm-hmm. they did not mention was that Warner Brothers had committed already mm-hmm. to a certain amount of money. Right. To make the movie. But on the contingent that they found $2 million more. And this kind of makes me a little... Hinky. Uh, it seems a little hinky to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... Expound. Elaborate. Okay, <laughs> Kickstarter was created to finance for independent artists, independent artists yeah. to finance projects that they couldn't get funding. They couldn't con their friends or their family into giving them the money yeah. to produce a comic book or to take a year off to but, write a uh, novel or make a short film. Uh, uh, so they reached out to the public. Right, a Kickstarter that I participated in. There was this musician. He wanted to cover a set of Kate Bush's albums. Okay. I like Kate Bush. I thought this would be interesting, and I kicked in $10. Now, in the last two years or so, we've seen people who, quite frankly, don't need this money. Amanda Palmer financed her last album 
through Kickstarter, even mm-hmm. though she has a recording contract. Right. And let's be honest, Neil Gaiman money. Okay. Since she and Neil are married. Neil, you got an extra... F- yeah, yeah. They- 500000 Yeah, you're right. And exactly, Neil, yeah. Neil looks into his purse and goes, oh, here you go. Exactly. Neil Gaiman could take it out of petty cash. Let's be honest. Right. And there have been a number of these Kickstarters that are being done by- That are kind of suspicious when you're saying, hmm... Now, don't get me wrong. I am incredibly happy. I found it funny that one of the things that people were saying the day that the Kickstarter started is, okay, who wants to kick in and get Tom the speaking part? Yeah, seriously. One of the Kickstarter incentives was that if you, if you kicked in, I think it was like $10,000, mm-hmm. you got a speaking part. You got in a the speaking movie. part in the movie, yeah. I think it was $500. They named a character after, after you, you in yeah. the movie. I think that what's going on here, and Kickstarter is an Amazon company. I'm worrying that at this point, especially now that the success of the Chronicle Mars Kickstarters, of course, who's the first people to start going? Serenity. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Serenity, yeah. Serenity. The next day, they were screaming and hooping and hollering and talking about, oh, well, let's how come we don't do that? Yeah, let's start up a Kickstarter. And all these other people who have been part of these culty TV things are going, let's do a Kickstarter. We can do this. We can get a movie made. But the thing that nobody has said on the Veronica Mars front, except in articles that you have to dig for, Mm -hmm. is that there was already a deal in place. See, this is the one thing, and this is why we wanted to do this episode, folks, to kind of bring these kind of things out into the open and kick them back and forth. Mm-hmm. That was my understanding of the whole thing. There was already a deal right. done between Warner right. Brothers and Kristen Bell and Rob Thomas. They sat down at the table and hashed this out. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is people thinking that this is a totally independent thing that was just done on the spur of the moment. I don't see Rob Thomas approaching anybody in the cast and saying, do you want to do this? Unless he had a signed piece of paper in his hand saying, hey, we can do ABC. Warner Brothers is going to do XYZ. So it's not that easy. People who think that, well, if we just raid $5 million, they'll make a Night Stalker movie. Well, no, they won't. First of all, if you don't have the studio behind it, you're not getting the movie made. Remember Beauty and the Beast, the original Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, with Linda Hamilton. Okay. Sure I do. When that show got canceled, there actually was a fan, and they actually raised some money on this. This was when the internet was still in its infancy. Oh, yeah, yeah. They actually tried to do something like this, where they would raise money, and when they got enough money to make an episode, they would make the episode. Not surprisingly, this went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Back then, like you said, this was the infancy right. of the internet. For lack of a better word, they had no infrastructure or model on how to do this. Now, of course, we do. We've had the internet for the See, the day. only thing that kind of worries me is that you're going to get these capricious studios who go, Oh, why do we have to put our money into... Ah, bingo. When we can put a minimal investment in there... And then we let the fans pay for it. Keep in mind, guys. This is what I'm saying. None of the people who put in for the Veronica Mars Kickstarter are getting any money back. Right. They are effectively investors in the movie with no chance of getting anything back other than... Which means they're not only paying for the movie to be made, but when it comes into theaters, they got to pay again to go see it. Exactly, unless they, yeah, unless they pay to those the higher levels where they get to go to the premiere. Right, yeah, exactly. If they're cool with that, I'm cool with it. Because some people say, listen, I don't care, I just want a Veronica Mars movie at any cost, and I don't care if I got to pay to see it. And I know what they're thinking is, they're thinking is, well, if I go pay and see it, maybe they'll make another one after that. Right. And again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. What my concern is, and you hit it right on the head, that other studios like Paramount, oh, okay, well, you want just to take well, a kill. Like Jerry to take Iger. A- from saying, 
okay, I don't want to do another John Carter. Right. Because uh, towards the end of reading John Carter and the Gods of Hollywood. Ah, that's on my Kindle. That, that's next up to read. That excellent examination of why things went so well <laughs> with John Carter. The conclusion that Michael Kramer makes is mm. that Disney did not want this film to succeed. You're right. This was a film that was generated by one regime. That regime went out. Well, yeah. yeah. A second regime came in went out, a third regime came in, but because it was Andrew Staten, who was a Pixar guy, and Pixar did so much money for them, nobody wanted to kill it. John Carter was the unfortunate sacrificial lamb yeah. in studio politics. And if y'all guys who walk around with these rose-colored glasses yeah. and think that these studios make movies because they love you, this is a book you need to read. Right. Because I haven't read it yet, but from people I know who have read it, they said it's actually frightening, the backdoor politics. They said this is worse than the mafia and the CIA put together, right. the backstabbing and backdoor deals yeah. that and went on with John Carter. Mind, the other thing that would keep in while this was going on while John Carter was being developed. Iger was in negotiations with Lucas. Right. He will say, oh, the Lucas negotiations was, were going on for six months, but indications are it was much longer. It was a that. much longer period, and right, yeah. thinking, wait a minute, I've got Marvel on one hand, I've got Star Wars on the other hand. I don't need John Carter. I don't exactly. Need John Carter. But I can see Iger going, hmm, we can get the fans to pay for this, and we don't have to put any outlay in Well, see, it. there you go. Well, okay, you guys want another John Carter movie? This is how much you got to put up. I can see this happening. I can see Kickstarter being... Well, Kickstarter is being abused already. Yeah. Let's it be honest about been. it. I mean, we use, we, but I can see now where you have people who have deep pockets. Okay, the first principle of any business is what, Tom? He who has the gold rules. No, never use your money. Ah, okay, that'll work too. Yeah, well, why do you think people go to banks for loans? Okay. So, yeah, yeah, even if they do have the money to spend for something. No. Donald Trump goes to banks for loans when he can pay for something. You never go into business using somebody else's money. Right. So if you've got these studios that say, especially like little independent movies that are right. made for under $10, $12 million. Okay, well, if we can get the people to put up $6 million and we put up 6 even if the movie flops, we're only losing right. 6 Exactly. And we don't have to pay out if that's yes, a really right. thing. Mm -hmm. If it's a big success, benefit. We don't have to pay the investors. Exactly. All we have to do is send out some digital files. Right, exactly. Whereas if they had real investors who were saying, okay, well, I'm going to give you $5 million for this movie, but I expect eight back. That's not happening with the fans. Fans got to understand this. It's your money, people, and if you want to put it in, God bless you, and that's on you. But remember, you're giving your money to these multi-million dollar studios who can finance right. the movies. They just don't want to take that gamble that they're, oh, they'll take a gamble losing a little bit of money. Yeah. But not a lot of money. For right. Warner Brothers, this is a total upside. There's no way they can there's lose. No, there's no way they can lose. In fact, they got a bigger budget than they expected. And I think the thing was, because, using this term, us Marsmellows had been starved for five years. We've endured the dark walk that our beloved Kristen Bell took through rom-com hell. For four of those years. Yeah, well, Kristen Bell, and I'm going on record as saying this. Before you start trying to justify this, let me throw a few things out to you. When in Rome. What? Justify what? I'm not yes, just... Whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Could you wait and let okay. me finish what I want to say right. first? So what I was going to say before I was All so right. rudely interrupted was that 
through you, I have developed an appreciation. Even though I'm not a Veronica yeah. Mars fan, you let me hold the first season. Right. The only thing I couldn't get past it, and I'm sorry, was the high school. The high school thing. I'm not interested in. High, I wasn't interested in the high school when I went to high right. school. But I have an appreciation for the talent of Kristen Bell, and I faithfully watched her in a lot of things. And I bleed for the girl because in a lot of dismal movies like the ones you name, she's the one bright spot, and you can right. see there is a talent there that deserves a whole lot better than some of the crap she's been forced into. But she's got bills to pay. She needs a she's career. Good. She's having a kid. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Brilliant movie. Brilliant movie, She yeah. was in. This series that she's in with Don Cheadle, it's crap. I don't know what the two of them are doing in it. They're two brilliant actors, and they're in this piece of total crap. I'll tell you exactly what they're doing in it. David Mamet. Yeah, man. Because David Mamet did some short videos for Funny or Die, Mm. Including that really hilarious one yeah. about the vintage porn with her yeah. and, and Neil. I mean, some of the movies that she's been in that I've watched, I've actually cringed. Watched. Yeah. I said, oh, oh, man, you poor child. <laughs> Why? Because for some reason, Hollywood thought this was the only thing she was good for. Yeah. That's the sad thing, which is why I think she ultimately went back to House of Cards. Because when you're being starved with scraps, even a... Uh, House of Lies. House, House of, of Cards, Cards is, is a David Mamet. Spacey... No, that's David Mamet. House of Lies is the... Show, the, the Showtime TV, TV show, show with her and Don Cheadle. House of Cards was the one, David Mamet, that was with... Kevin Spacey. No, not Kevin Spacey. Oh, that was um, a, the movie. Joe Mantegna. Yeah, that was the movie. Where he was the con man. Matt is involved with House of Lies as well. Yeah, he's involved in yeah. it, but he's... That's like why it. I think attracted Kristen Bell and Don Cheadle. Yeah, well, it. it's an opportunity to work with David Mamet, but he's not right. I think right. he's one of the executive producers. Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't. Don't waste your time. I've been, yeah, I've been told it's, it's really, really, yeah. really awful. The first episode... Starts off with a shot of Don Cheadle's naked ass. We don't that's not the naked ass I want to see. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to put a naked ass in my face and that's your first scene, it shouldn't be Don Cheadle's. That's okay. I can see where this is going. I'm sure all these studios who have all these kind of culty TV shows yeah. that got killed, quote unquote, before their time, going, hey, there's money. Light bulb goes yeah. off over the head. And you know how Hollywood is. Anything that makes money, first thing they do, they want to get in on it. Mm-hmm. They said, well, if it works for them. And all other studios are sitting back and they're doing Mr. Burns thing. They're Excellent. waiting to see, see how this plays out. And if it works, don't think that they're not going to jump on it yeah. themselves. This is not what kicks part. Let's be honest. This is something, I think, because Thomas and Kristen... Bell been wanting to do this ever since the show ended. They exhausted every possible other way of doing it. Even to the point I think that Kristen Bell had actually approached Warner Brothers to buy the rights to the character. Yeah, that, right. I heard that too. On behalf of Drop yeah. Thomas, so they could go somewhere else. Right. She just wanted to buy the rights to the character outright and take it someplace else. Yeah. yeah. And I think for them, this was the last resort to get this done. This is something they desperately wanted to do. And I don't blame them for making that movie. Oh my God. What? I just had a horrible thought. Chris Carter's going to be coming back. Oh, shit. Damn, I didn't think about that, man. Because you know, David Duchovny's been grumbling about how he wants another X-Files movie. You want to know what torture was? Yeah. When I was on this... Oh, my God! Robert T. Davies wanting another Torchwood! When I was on this cruise, for those of you who don't know, I just recently got back from a 10-day Caribbean cruise. Me and my wife went to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. We had... One TV channel. Because, of course, you're out at sea. You keep losing signal. We had only one channel that came into work. And you know what was the three major shows that they showed on this thing? I have no idea. Kung Fu. 
<laughs> Bonanza and the X-Files. And the X-Files, they were showing the last two seasons with Robert Patrick and the, yeah. See, okay. I liked Robert Patrick. I, I did. I liked Robert I, Patrick. I hated What's-Her-Name. But some of those stories is yeah, what I'm talking story, about. Yeah, the they had the story where they ripped off, you remember the Twilight Zone? Yeah. The one with Billy Mummy? And they go to the house as a little kid, his thoughts right. is making months. Oh, my God. That was the seasons where Lucy Lawless was running around as an indestructible killer. Yeah, yeah, that one. I can just see it now. I can just see Chris Carter right now in his little tent off the uh, Ventura Highway mm. going, I can make a comeback. I can come back. Yes. This will work. And David Duchovny, I had no idea why he wants to make it. He's doing fine with Californication and indulging his sex. Because that's a show that about sex edition. helps him indulge it. Yes, exactly. The X-Files is not going to help you indulge your sex edition. Let's say they do bring back the X-Files. Bring it back clean with new characters, right. new premise, new everything. Which you know, sooner or later, somebody's going to do it. Oh, they're going to bring just, that. Just like we're looking at you, Frank Spotnitz. You decided to bring back Kolchak only without Kolchak. Yeah, without Kolchak. And you know what? I still say that they should have did. What? They should have been gutsy, and they should have made Gabriel and what? They should have made her Kolchak because she was far more interesting than the pork chop that they got to play the guy that was supposed to be Kolchak. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, I got this image of this giant pork chop. And that's what it was. He was a sucker suit. You know, I'm sure he's a nice guy. He's a wonderful actor. But I watched that first episode and I said, no, this is not Kolchak. We could have all of these creators with all of these defunct series. J. Michael Straczynski. I'm going to make my comeback to television. Oh, please. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know a lot of y'all out there listening to this who are friends of mine. You're Babylon 5 fans. I'm sorry. I don't get it. Maybe it's because I'm a Star Trek guy. I don't know. Babylon 5, I never understood. Never got the appeal of the show. Yeah, it's just all these now defunct. Because I'm sure that Paramount did Babylon 5, right? No, because Star Trek... Was it, it was Universal. It was Universal. I think it was Universal. All these television studios are now looking at their back catalog for cult things that they could do. Oh, sure. Barbary Coast. <laughs> and, and 90% of them are going, what? Yeah, I know, right? Except for Ron Fournier, who's going, yes! <laughs> Hi, Ron. He's probably one of the few people that remember that show. Karen Cuse is dusting off those Briscoe County Jr. Well, how about the adventures of Briscoe County the third? Yes. Bruce Campbell back, and he plays it, but it's his son that's taking right. over the family business You're now. Like yeah. So beware, people. Damn, I'm a genius. Let me write this As down. Much, don't get me wrong. I'm there opening day. You know what we ought to do? You and me ought to start up a Kickstarter thing. Folks, finance are writing the screenplay for the Crazy Babysitter Twin movie. <laughs> well, we have to get in touch with, with the Crazy Babysitters themselves to see if they'd be in the movie. No, we gotta get in touch with Robert Rodriguez and right. ask him. See, I'll do it. I don't care. Look, I'll, I'll direct it. I actually was talking to a friend of mine yeah. who loves the Crazy Baby. He had seen Machete. Yeah. And he loves them. And I was like, yeah, me and my friend always said we're going to write a screenplay. He said, well, how would you do that? I said, I don't know. We'd just call up Robert Rodriguez and ask him. Uh-huh. You would do that? I said, why not? All he can do is say no. If he says no, well, we're no worse off than we was. And right. if we said, says yes. I think we should just direct it ourselves. If we're going to Kickstarter it, let's do the whole thing. We're going to finance a movie. You can direct I want to be executive producer. Okay. <laughs> Dan Trey will definitely be because he said in the past he loves working uh-huh. with beginning directors. And he'll work for scale. You can direct. Okay. This is it, people. We're going to do this. I just want to be the guy that comes onto the set in a three-piece suit and bitches and complains about how it's going over budget and over schedule. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I come they're not bending low enough. DJ, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? <laughs>
to sum up. Yes. I'm not going to lie. This marshmallow is very happy, although I'm a little grumbly that all of a sudden everybody's going, oh, Veronica Mars, yeah. I'm like, yeah, well, where were you the last five years? Mm. Where were you the last eight years? Mm. When those of us who loved the show when it was on were trying our best to get it renewed every year. But before we wrap this up, yeah. now, let me ask you, they're going to make a Veronica Mars movie. What would you like to see the movie be about? What elements? Well, we know like something about what the movie is going to be about. I don't care about that. Okay. I want to know what you would like. If you say, okay, this is what I want to see, what would you want to see? Well, first off, the important thing is at the core of that show always was the relationship between Veronica and her father. So that would have to be key. I'd want to see a mystery that kind of deserved it. I want to see that kind of noir feel translated to the big screen. I don't know how many of the cast I'd want to have back, though. Here's the thing. Because there are certain people that you just can't recapture that chemistry. For example, Jason Doring. How come I keep referring to them by their names on the show? Jason Doring has not aged well in mm -hmm. five years. He looks very doughy. I always suspected that they were going to kill the character off in the fourth season if there was a fourth season. Thomas is to talk about he's going to open up in New York, but he has to return to Neptune because it's a West Coast show. Veronica Mars is Raymond Chandler meets Nancy Drew. Okay. Yeah, you you're right. You need to have that West Coast sensibility, mm. that neon swathed darkness. Right. That is unique to Los to Angeles. To Los Angeles, right. Some things just don't work. To Los Angeles, yeah, so in I this got case, you. or San Diego, which is the nearest big city to Neptune. You need that sort of sensibility. You can't do a Veronica Mars movie in New York or Chicago. It has to be the West Coast. I would not want more adult language, mm -hmm. because that's not what the show was about. The show was adult enough as it is. Like, oh, well, we're doing a movie. We can curse. And yeah, we can curse. And not that we I would object to some nudity, Kristen, but, mm -hmm. but it's not necessary. Nah, yeah, we wouldn't object. You know, you, would, <laughs> you and Amanda Seyfried in the bikinis at the end of season one, that was wonderful. Nah, yeah. So that's definitely... We have no issue with nudity. <laughs> yeah, we have no issue with nudity, but I don't think it's necessary. And I'm hoping that people, we have the creator doing this movie, that they don't decide to indulge mm -hmm. in over-the-topness. Be true to what that series was. Because, you know, a lot of times when they make a feature film out of a TV series, yeah. they feel they have to open it up. They right. have to make it bigger. You oh, can make God. it bigger while still remaining true to the story. Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. You're still remaining true to what made me loyal and so many other... And actually, something like Veronica Mars, you don't want or need it to be a $100 million movie. Yeah. Because we know what happens. If you give a director $100 million, he's going to feel he got to spend 100 Right. Well, let me blow a couple of 18-wheelers to justify the cost. You don't need explosions. Right. You need a mystery. A mystery. A yeah. solid film noir mystery for Veronica Mars mm -hmm. to solve. You know what would have been the perfect Veronica Mars movie? What? Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That would work, yeah. yeah. So that's what I want. I don't want them to go over the top and get bigger and better and more relatable. It's going to be tough as it is because there are literally millions upon millions of people who have no familiarity with Veronica Mars is. Right. We're going to have to appeal to a larger audience, but the best way to do that is to tell the best story possible. The best Veronica Mars story, story possible. possible, yes. Veronica Mars, if done right, will be the proper inheritor of Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett. It should be the same thing like Body Heat was. 
Yeah, oh, okay, live. yeah. Trying to think of some other of the, of the great noirs that carried over. These great noirs, the type of thing that you would see Robert Aldrich make. A detective story, because one of the things, and we spoke about this yeah. when we talk about the girl with the dragon tattoo, is that... The reason why I loved it so much that it was an honest God right. mystery that the main characters solved with their intelligence, right. their experience, their understanding of human nature. Right. They didn't rely on computers and DNA. And Veronica Mars, as a character, she relies on her brain. Which I think is one of the reasons why Thomas decided to totally write out the FBI thing. Because we've learned today, in fact, I think, Thomas gave an interview where he said that it's going to open in New York Veronica, it turns out, has left Hearst College where she was at the end of season three. She went to Stanford. She got a law degree. Mm -hmm. She went to Columbia Law School. And when the film is open, we're going to see her auditioning, so to speak, for various law firms right. in New York. So what we need is something to bring her back to her roots. And what we don't need, I think what Thomas felt that if they had the FBI thing, people would have been expecting CSI Neptune. Once you do that, you put Veronica Mars in the FBI, well, now you've got Clarice Starling. Right. You don't have Veronica Mars anymore. The setting that she's in is unique to her character right. as well. And if you take her out of that environment, it's like taking Batman out of Gotham City. You don't mind them taking Veronica Mars out once in a while or maybe for the first few minutes in the movie. Eventually, she's got to go back home because exactly. that's her. That whole setting goes into her makeup of her character. But I will definitely be there opening day. Big shock. Okay. I'm expecting my cut from this Kickstarter, considering all the publicity I gave the show, all those during All the publicity you give Kristen Bell, period. We ought to send her an email and say, listen, could you listen to this episode? Right. And this maybe episode, get, and this episode, and, and this yeah, episode. Yeah, this episode, and maybe, you know, break us off a chunk, or give us speaking roles in the movie. Right, and visit our website. Well, you can visit the Kristen Bell Shrine. Yes. Also, finally, give us... Three movies that people who don't know anything about Kristen Bell should see. Just to stick with the Well, movie. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which okay. is probably the best yeah. of her romantic comedies. Forgetting did. Sarah Marshall should be seen, period. Yeah. Not just for Kristen Bell, who is magnificent, but also for Mila Kunis, right. Jason Segel, Russell Brand, who right. has really surprised me in this the movie. The problem is, there's not a lot that she has done. Yeah, that's the problem. In the movies, because she got stuck. I can name more... Worse Kristen Bell movies. Okay, name the three that people should stay away from. When in Rome. Oh, God, yes. You again. Uh, I didn't see that one. What else is she in? I know that there are some people. Hi, Mike. What was that one where it was the three couples that went away? Oh, oh, Couples Retreat. Oh, man, oh my God. That movie was toxic. I know that Michael Bailey loves this film, but I thought it was really dreadful. No. Uh, a Reefer Madness, the musical. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, unfortunately, outside of Veronica Mars itself, and it's, it's still available. It's available on Netflix. It's available in box sets. She did a really excellent turn for a couple of episodes on Deadwood, which I also strongly recommend. She's a tremendous actress. Now, now granted... I mean, She's not just a pretty face. Yeah. She is the girl can act. And a kicking body. She's smart and the girl can act. And the thing about it is that I like actors that you can see them thinking. She's right. one of those actors, when you look at her on screen, you can see her thinking when she's doing it. She's not just going through the motions. Even in the rom-coms that we've mentioned, you can see she's making interesting okay. acting choices. She's working with what she got to make it better than what it is. If you want to know something about Veronica Mars, go to my blog for film, which is called Damn Your Ears, Damn Your Eyes. Gratuitous plug. For a while, I gave up for a while, and I'm probably going to go back again now that there are people hungry for Veronica Mars information. Mm -hmm. I started doing an episode-by-episode -episode dissection. 
Oh, the show. All of season one is up there, and the first three episodes of season two. Take a look at some of the things that I say about how smart the show is. Mm-hmm. How it's obvious that this was not meant to be just your average teens, pretty white person's show. Right. And if anybody wants to buy me tickets to go to the premiere and that's all right too. And come back and review. We'd love to. I don't know if I can. We were away from Dax Shepard. She's really smitten with that kid. He's all right. He's okay. Yeah. Oh, exactly. The guy's got to have something on yeah. the ball to pull a babe like that. Yes. Because we're recording this. It's Saturday, March the 23rd. And today, as is my usual habit, I posted a picture of some babe right. up on the Better in the Site Facebook page. Right. And today was a black and white picture of Anne Bancroft back right. in the day when she was a hottie. Mel Brooks is by no means of the imagination a good-looking, handsome guy, but he must have had something to pull a woman look like that. Probably to quote Jessica Rabbit, he made her laugh. He made me laugh, yeah. I love quoting that movie. with Who is it? I think it's Bob Hoskins. Yeah. He says, listen, I got to ask you, what do you see in him? And she said, he makes me laugh. Right. And sometimes it's just that simple. When you look at a girl and you say, oh, I'll never get a girl like that. Make her laugh. Because after everything else is gone, you can still be funny, if nothing else. So, at this point, we're going, on, we're going on for almost an hour. We planned this to be a point five. It's almost a full episode at this point. Well, by the time you edit out the digression, yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit short. But we did not want to let this go by without addressing this. Uh, the second it happened, everybody wanted to know why. Yeah. So now you know what Tom thinks. You can go on with your lives, happy and content. Because Kristen Bell is... Hell, Kristen Bell is one half of the name of my new computer. Yeah. The other one taken up by the beautiful one elect. That's it, I guess, guys. Regular transmission will resume in a couple of weeks. And now you know. And, and knowing that, is half the battle. I love that. <laughs> and for... Because we used to be friends a long time ago. But <laughs> that was from the theme song. Oh, okay. And on that clunky segue, I'm Derek Ferguson. And I'm... Mars Mellow number one. I hate that name. Thomas DJ. And go put that money in that Kickstarter. Go put that. (laughs) Buy the DVD sets. Come on. Buy that DVD set. Good night. Good night. (laughs) This has been your Better in the Dark point five featuring Thomas DJ and Derek Ferguson. Normal service will return in two weeks. If you'd like to comment on this or any other episode of the program, please send an email to betterinthedark at earth2.net. That's betterinthedark at earth2.net. If you feel this stopgap is not sufficient, please visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com and don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at www.b-dot.com. Better in the Dark, Point Five is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright, Thomas E. Jan Derek Ferguson. Transmission ends in three, two, one. Yeah.